the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now notice chapter 12 begins with the words, Now concerning spiritual gifts, and then goes on to include this subject of the body of Christ. So what Paul here is explaining is that spiritual gifts are how the body of Christ functions. I wonder if you feel the same way I do. Spiritual gifts and questions we have about those gifts have been the most perplexing and sometimes the most divisive idea or concept within the Christian body. We're going to learn a lot more about that as Pastor Leighton Sheely takes us into the book of 1 Corinthians today, the 12th chapter, for another edition of Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Well, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When we look at the Great Commission, it says to go and make disciples. The word go means to be proactive. And so uh, we as a church family, we don't wait for people to come in. We give people a reason to come in, or we'll go and meet them wherever they are. And and then last week when we got together, I, I spoke on why our church is so passionate about sharing the gospel. And one of the reasons is, is because we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again soon. Amen. Amen. And we've looked at the Bible and, and the evidence, and, 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 and we're not going to join the scoffers that the apostle Peter wrote about in, in 2 Peter 3, where he said, in the last days, scoffers will say, what happened to the promise of Jesus coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Well, I think it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out things are changing. Things are not staying the same. Uh, All around us, we see it, we experience, we know it. And the Bible describes these changes. These changes are no surprise to God. In fact, God describes many of these changes in His Word and indicates that these are indicators or signs of the season of Jesus' return. And Jesus' return is the hope of every believer. It's the beginning of a new life in a new world that's filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. And it's the end of sin and suffering and shame and disease and violence and wars. Christ's return is the blessed hope of His people. Now, Jesus has returned to heaven, but uh, he's given us, his followers, an assignment to continue his work. The, this gospel, gospel of Matthew, wraps up with these words. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. This is the portion of Scripture we refer to as the Great Commission. In John's Gospel, verses, uh, chapter 20, verse 21, it, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So Jesus has commissioned us as His body, the church, and every Christian is supposed to be a part of the body of Christ. We are Christ's hands and feet and mouth 
for our generation. Uh, Christ's work continues through his body, the church. And as the human body receives its instructions from the head, so also the body of Christ receives its instruction from the head, who is Christ. Colossians 1.18 says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. And as parts of the human body need each other, so likewise parts of Christ's body need each other as well. The heart needs the lungs, and the lungs need the heart. Hands need eyes, and eyes need hands. We all need each other. The Bible is very, very clear about this. Believers are all part of all parts of the body of Christ, and for His body to operate well, all the parts need to be present and active in the roles for which they were designed. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the, uh, uh, the body, through many, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. We're all parts of the body of Christ. Now, Paul then goes on to describe an attitude of a person who doesn't want to participate in the body because they devalue the gift or the calling that they have been given. Verse 15, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so Paul here has described an attitude of one who doesn't want to participate because they devalue their own gifting. It might be, I want that gift over there, that gift instead of the one that I've been given. But now Paul goes on and he describes an attitude that instead devalues gifting in others. So instead of the attitude being, uh, you don't need me, this attitude is instead... We don't need you. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So we really do need each other. Every part doing what it was designed to do. Every part is important. Now notice chapter 12 begins with the words, Now concerning spiritual gifts. And then goes on to include this subject of the body of Christ. So what Paul here is explaining is that spiritual gifts are how 
the body of Christ functions. Look at verses 27 and 28. All of you together are Christ's body, that is the church, and each of you is a part of it. Now here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and so forth. So spiritual gifts are how we as individual parts of the body of Christ function. So the church is not a building, and it's not an organization. The church is the body of Christ of which every believer is a part when they operate in their spiritual gifts in the unity of the Spirit and are motivated by love. You see, when you become a believer, God's Holy Spirit comes to you, it lives in you, and imparts to you a spiritual gift or, or more than one, and the enablement, spiritual enablement to do ministry. All of us as believers are called to do ministry. We are all full-time ministers for the Lord. And every believer has at least one gift, and many have more. Sometimes we have to discover these gifts. And in order to discover them, we have to get outside of our comfort zone. Now, from time to time, God can move us from one calling and one gifting into another calling and gifting. If, for instance, He wants to teach us something, and we're not going to be able to learn that if we continue on the path we're on. And so sometimes God will move us around a little bit over time. And then also our passion and our calling and our gift, they all work together. Because if if we have a passion for what we've been called to do, it's not going to be a burden, it's going to be a joy. And if we're doing something that we're not passionate about, there's there's a concern for possible burnout. Instead of looking forward to whatever that ministry is or We're apprehensive about it. Now, on the other hand, there's another danger, and that is if we really enjoy what we're doing, we can overdo it and burn out the other way. So we have to be careful about both of those dangers. But it's important for every Christian to be operating in their area of gifting and and calling for the common good. Notice verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit for the common good, for the good of us all. Christians who use their gifts do so for the common good and are a blessing to God and His church. It's good for us all when everyone is exercising their spiritual gift or gifts. Now, there are several lists that are given to us in the New Testament about spiritual gifts here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. Romans chapter 12, and then also in the writings of Peter, but he kind of summarizes the spiritual gifts and puts them into two categories, those of the mouth and those of the hands. But if we take the list, we'll end up with about a dozen and a half. But what we find when we study the list is you're going to find the same spiritual gift in in both lists. You'll find some that are listed in one but not the other, and vice versa. The point being is that none of these lists are intended to be exhaustive or complete which means there are more than are given to us. God is not limited to what's in these lists. We also find this as well, that spiritual gifts express differently through different people and in different circumstances. It takes different forms. For instance, if we have the gift of help, it might be uh, by uh, cooking meals for somebody who is in need or caring for children or the elderly. It might be by providing some specialized legal, medical, or financial advice. 
And, and also for the gift of evangelism. Uh, for some, some are very comfortable and effective speaking one-on-one and sharing the gospel with people one-on-one. Put them in front of a crowd, they freeze up. And yet others, you put them in front of a crowd and they come alive and they express the gospel and, and people get it and are, and are changed. But if you put them one-to-one, they're, they're, they're intimidated. So it, these gifts can express differently through different people and in different circumstances. As Pastor Leighton Sheely answered your question or your questions about this sometimes confusing subject of spiritual gifts, well, you'll find more on the next broadcast, which we'll uh, share with you on Monday at this same time as we continue here in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. This is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. All the details about the church can be found there. Obviously, there are many changes that take place. I encourage you to check out the website for the latest information about Church of the Highlands and all of the ministries. Again, the website highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. It's always great to hear from you. You can find the contact link right there on that website. Just let us know that you've tuned in. Be a blessing to those whose paths you cross today and come back on Monday for more study verse by verse.